Welcome to the Intellectual Freedom Podcast. Here we analyze politics, culture, technology, and society at large through the lens of critical thinking and open-mindedness, not demagoguery and partisan hyperbole. I'm Dr. David Hopkins, Humanities Professor, your host and guide. So without further delay, let's get started. The title of this podcast, Case Study in Mediation, The Joe Rogan Experience, I'm sure throws many for a loop, if not rage for others. Joe Rogan, he's a number one rated podcaster in the entire world who recently signed a $100 million deal with Spotify, is by a long shot not the Artipal image of the professional mediator. This is for sure. Joe Rogan, he's a comedian, UFC fighter, self-proclaimed liberal of the old school order. I'm not talking about the pseudo shout-down type liberals. He loves his weed, drinking whiskey on his show, using crass language. He has tattoo sleeves on both arms. He's a hunter. And in essence, he's kind of that old school man's man. And he attracts just hundreds of millions to his show. In fact, long before I ever began this podcast, I listened to Rogan. His episodes are long. I mean, really, really long. Three hour plus marathons sometimes. Yet, he has this thing. This thing about him that just draws people from all demographics into listen. Even though on the surface of it all, they would never agree on anything or would never listen to the same types of podcasts. Liberals, conservatives, business people, counterculture revolutionaries, tech engineers, they all seem to to be able to come in, absorb his content, and they stay with him. This is really powerful. He's quite a uniting influencer when you think about it, but why in the world is this the case? I'm sure it isn't because the mainstream media propaganda machines endorse him. Actually, the contrary. They literally despise him and his success, and and they attempt to bring him down any and every chance that they get. Even after inking his deal with Spotify, the pseudo-cancel culture liberals of Spotify, they tried to get the deal nixed and they protested. To no avail, as the army of Rogan followers is huge, loyal, and they love his show. It's actually amazing. He started his podcast in his home. When he started, he was pulling, oh, 100 or so people per episode. Now his reach is over 100 million downloads every single episode. That is, those are just insane numbers. So it is a monumental success story. But why in the world would a middle-aged white guy dope-smoking UFC hunter liberal gain so much track, traction across so many demographics? The thesis is the contrary to popular opinion in this podcast. My thesis is the reason he's so successful, people want the type of conversations he is having in society. But woke or cancel culture of the pseudo-liberal and propaganda machines of the mainstream media want to terminate. At this point, though, Joe Rogan is winning and the mainstream media is losing. Rogan is causing new heights of hysteria lately from the cancel culture, not because the 53-year-old podcaster is some kind of dogmatic Trump-supporting conservative. He's way off from that. As I mentioned before, he's this progressive-minded thinker, 
supportive of LGBT rights, uh, women's rights to choose. He's in favor of drug legalization, but he has no fear to raise questions and challenge the orthodoxies of the untouchable or the undebatable ideas of the far left, such as the more concerning dogmas of, say, trans advocacy, especially in children, the excesses of the at me, me Too movement and the popular ad hominem attacks against Trump supporters of the, oh, they're just a bunch of racist, sexist, misogynist. Rogan just refuses to accept and amplify oversimplistic dog whistles. The far left and the mainstream media propaganda machines expect those from the quote unquote in crowd to go ahead and follow along. Rogan's recent podcast interview back in sometime in July, I don't have the date here in front of me, and by the way, if you ever wanted to hear it, the episode number is episode number 1509. And it was with a researcher. Her name's Abigail Schreier, and she authored a book. And the name of that book is called Irreversible Damage, The Transgender Craze Seducing Our Daughters. This book was obviously by title, you can see incredibly controversial to the propaganda media machines about the dangers of trans identification among teenage girls. As the book raised a question through research that it was damaging to allow it a child to make such a life-altering decision to transition sexually before they had fully developed into an adult. On the surface, the research and science on studying the impact of such a thing and, and then delivering the results in a book is kind of what we expect from our research scientists, except when it comes to confront some pre-held notion that the cancel culture holds dear. And so when Joe Rogan brought this woman to discuss her research on the air, it caught incredible heat for even allowing this author, this researcher, to, to even have a voice. For those heavily invested in the dogma of political narratives, Rogan, he's very hard to swallow sometimes. He has brought on and supported Texas, Texas House of Representative candidates, who were formerly Navy SEALs and Green Berets on the Republican side. And he was a huge supporter and endorsed Bernie Sanders for president. And he said Joe Biden was basically too mentally deteriorated to be president of, of the United States. So you can see he is a grave transgressor of the narrow-minded thought bubbles on both the left and the right. And that ideological safe space is where most people tend to live anymore, where they can't even hear an opinion that doesn't jive exactly with their preconceived notions. So unlike most political ideologues, Rogan dares to humanize and and sometimes even to reconcile these opposing perspectives. I mean, what an infidel, right? How dare he try and find common ground amongst his viewers he, he often even states, I like to be proven wrong. And for his open-minded and critical thinking views, he is not popular with the propaganda machines. He, get, he just gets lambasted constantly. Just to throw out a few examples before we get into the mediation skills of Rogan and, and what a powerful force he actually is. Uh, there was a piece in Slate this year lambasted his unchecked bigotry, they called it, and transphobia and sexism 
on Rogan's platform. And then another prominent LGBTQ advocate, her name's Charlotte Clymer, urged that the Sanders campaign acknowledge that Rogan is a transphobe and move away from Joe Rogan. And even the Atlantic Journal wrote this piece. Uh, basically, this is just hilarious. Called Joe Rogan that he may actually be the next American authoritarian after Donald Trump. I mean, come on. How do journalists get jobs and say such ridiculous things? Who in the world is hiring these people at the Atlantic? Who edits these pieces? Who produces these pieces? And then who who is the face behind the person that actually says, yeah, that's really hard-hitting, effective news. My goodness. As I often state, we shouldn't expect more from the mainstream media propaganda machines, but it is still sort of stunning to see it play itself out. Look, I get the Joe Rogan experience. It's not for everyone. You have to be open-minded. As there are times even I cringe at his views. Yes, sometimes when he's on with his comedian friends, he's literally drinking to the point of being drunk and smoking weed, getting high while he's on his podcast. And sometimes he just gets silly, disjointed. But for those of you who wonder what the old guard, old school liberalism was actually like, you know, way back in the day when even the ACLU would defend free speech for KKK members because that was in the Constitution, even when it was vile and despicable. And there was a period of time when liberalism meant that all voices should be heard and all thoughts should be aired. And if you're curious, just what an old school liberal looks like, you should check out his podcast. The Joe Rogan experience has become one of the last, the few unwavering pillars of American liberalism, which is hilarious to say, because if you've seen him and heard him, it, it seems almost impossible. Uh, he critically dissects important topics in conversations that are that are rigorous sometimes, but at the, but they're also very laid back. His, his show is ushered in a renaissance of this long-form exploratory dialogue that has made intellectual inquiry appealing to a wide audience. I think this is why it attracts young, old, liberal, and conservative alike. I know that's really what attracts me to listen to his podcast is just that long-form nuanced conversation because you can't get this type of dialogue anywhere else. In the propaganda news where they dissect a topic in two and a half minutes, you know the type of dialogue I'm speaking about. A host, they bring on a guest. I'll pick on the far right Sean Hannity show just for fun because his show gets annoying beyond annoying. Uh, Sean brings on a Trump advocate and says, okay, tell me your views on why the border wall needs to be built and you have 30 seconds. And the conversation, basically, you can't explain such a nuanced, detailed thing like that in two and a half minutes or, or 30 seconds. So basically... Every dialogue and every analysis and every conversation and every very detailed look at anything basically ends up with Trump is good, illegal immigrants dangerous or bad, wall good, Democrats bad, and hate America. 
And then the infamous, okay, well, we got to go to commercial break right now. And that's all the time we have for today. Uh, we'll need to continue this conversation later. That's basically what you get. It, it's so annoying. It's so infantile. It's so devoid of any nuance or conversation. All the propaganda news channels do it and all are pathetic. And that is why I advocate never watching in a, any of them ever again. It's all short form garbage sound bites. Just, I hope I'm being clear on that. Cable news is garbage. It's not a nuanced conversation. You cannot think critically when you listen to that junk on TV. But Rogan's different. Rogan literally will take a guest and spend three to four hours of nuance, of depth, of explanation, of point, of counterpoint. And for the demagogues on the left or the right, and especially for the politicians in the political class, this type of dialogue is far beyond their scope. It's far beyond their skill set, and it is way beyond their intellect most of the time. It's fun when they go on the Rogan show, as they're simply oftentimes revealed as shallow shells of suits and skirts. Few have the guts to do it, but those that do better bring their A-game. And, you know, just for disclosure, I need to give Bernie Sanders and Tulsi Gabbard, uh, I think even Andrew Yang went on there. So out of the 20-some candidates that ran for president, uh, only about three of them actually took the time to go on Rogan. And when you think about it, if you have the ability to have your voice heard by over 100 million people globally, in a three to four hour segment, you would think all of them would want to be on that show, but very few have the depth and the breadth of intellect to be able to handle talking in detail about things for that length of time. During those three hours on a Rogan show, regardless of the guest, you you basically go on this crazy journey and it'll go from the politics to the culture to spirituality to introspection to diet, diet and exercise to motivational topics or wherever the mind and wherever the conversation wanders. But what is it that he has so incredibly naturally that makes a podcast where a guy who endorses Bernie Sanders for president but says Joe Biden is incompetent and believes Trump is stronger, but yet he wants to legalize drugs, and he loves the Second Amendment, and he's an avid hunter, who left California because it's too much of an authoritarian state, and moved to one of the most conservative states in America, Texas. It's almost impossible to pigeonhole that guy. See, we've been told over and over again that all America is irreparably divided. We just can never get along. The whole country is divided square down between the left and the right. If that's actually the case, how is it that a meat-headed everyman who likes to hunt, smoke, weed, crack jokes gets over 100 million downloads for each episode? How can that be? If we're actually as divided, he shouldn't really get any viewers as his perspective would be irrelevant. They would turn him off instantaneously. They would never watch him. If we believe what the mainstream media says, Joe Rogan should not have a podcast, but yet he doesn't. The why this podcast works is a very important question. From my perspective, his podcast works because he's a master mediator, not the mediator in a suit and tie negotiating a divorce settlement, 
but the tattoo sleeve, dope smoking, weightlifting meathead. And it works and it resonates with people. This gives me hope that all the propaganda machine swamp creatures are wrong, dead wrong about people. What people actually want is a win-win. We want compromise. We want listening. Joe Rogan delivers it and people consume it in droves. Hell, it would take CNN or Fox News months, if not years, to get the views on their websites that Joe Rogan pulls every single episode. So let's talk about the skills I see in Joe Rogan when I listen to him. The skills, by the way, all of us can acquire and all of us have. It's just we don't bring them forth. The number one is he's an active listener. If you ever listen to Rogan, all guests get to give their full response to every single question. Sometimes I mentally think, come on, Joe, would you just shut that question down? This this guy is just rambling on. But he always seeks to listen and understand first and then talk second. His episode with Kanye West was one of those where he lets Kanye go and go and go. As it is apparent, Joe truly wants to understand, so he listens first. It's a powerful skill of a mediator. Number two, he always asks clarifying questions. It's funny, especially when talking to politicians. He never lets them off the hook with the simplistic soundbite answers that, that they are trained to give. As I mentioned earlier, the propaganda media doesn't have extended conversations. They're sound bites. They're sound bites strung together in 30 seconds to maybe two and a half minutes. So when a politician goes on one of those shows, they have a canned response and they just basically regurgitate it over and over and over again. But on a three hour podcast, the guests are forced to think and articulate through those sound bites, short bit answers with all the nuances, all the complexities and rarely does he not go deep enough to truly get all the nuances of a position? If they don't have the nuance, he flat out calls it out. It's an incredible skill. And he has this innate ability to ask very tough questions without the nasty abrasiveness the mainstream media propaganda puppets who call themselves journalists simply can't do anymore when they ask questions of public figures. Number three. Rogan has an incredibly high emotional intelligence, or EQ. He may constantly make fun of his own intelligence or his IQ, which I think is not true at all, but his EQ is off the charts. People with a high emotional intelligence have this ability to recognize and manage their emotions and the emotions of other people. It is proven high EQ people find it easier to form and maintain interpersonal relationships. And we see this happen on the air. Kanye West, Elon Musk, a nuclear physicist. By the end of the show, they're all opening up equally and they're all talking freely with Rogan, almost like talking to a friend as he has this uncanny ability to build rapport with other people, which ultimately allows his interviews to go to depths that the can typical media interviews, they never can go because these guests are constantly 100% on guard. I mean, if, if you're a politician and you're going on one of those horrifically annoying Sunday morning talk shows, they have to be 100% on guard for the misstep. With Rogan, nah, you're sitting down and you're talking with a friend. His emotional intelligence is incredibly high. 
Number four, Rogan has summarizing skills that are off the charts to set out the main points of a controversy and the underlying emotions. Even very emotional and passionate guests are guided towards conversations that are, they're not combative and they're engaging instead of that stereotypical food fight name calling distractions, which are most of the mainstream media propaganda productions. You never, ever Get that combativeness on the Rogan show. That's one of the things you can show up and know when when you do it. And I think that's one of the things that attracts people. Because he has an ability to get the main points out in a way that can show the passion for the topic, but kill all the attacking hyperbole that goes with it when we watch most media. Number five, and most important of all, Rogan always demonstrates empathy. Empathy is that thing that allows a person to walk in the shoes of another person and appreciate their position, even when they don't agree. Joe Rogan has a deep desire, and it's apparent in his tone, in his questioning, in his demeanor, that he truly wants to understand his guests. He truly believes the dialogue, the nuance and complexity of tough problems, warrants a careful evaluation of opinion he actually mocks the superficial the snot the snide the simple the name calling the overproduced tv shows instead he demonstrates empathy in trying unswervingly to fully understand the point of view of his guest it's powerful it's simple and people love it and that's what we want from anyone from everybody around us I just got done speaking on cancel culture about a week ago in episode number 38 of my podcast. And it's shameful and disgusting the media propaganda machine attempting to shut, to shout out and shut off a podcast like Rogan's. But it shows how sinister, how evil, and how simple and small and what depths the media will go to shut down open dialogue. In the end... Seemingly without ever studying mediation, Joe Rogan is a master mediator. He is always looking for the win-win and the common ground. He is always stating that most people most of the time are good, honest, hardworking, and want the best for their family and society. This is not what we are told by the propaganda media Instead, what we hear is all the world is bad. We're oh so divided. We're oh so segregated. We're oh so racist. And we're irresolvably against each other all the time, constantly. But could it be all that is just a complete lie? And just what the propaganda machine wants us to believe as it serves, as it serves their agenda, not our collective agenda. So the Rogan, Joe Rogan Experience podcast, the number one podcast on the planet Earth, is led by a meathead UFC fighter, comedian, pot-smoking, liberal hunter. He's the ultimate master mediator, better than any guy in any college or any, any lawyer in any uh, famous law firm. If this every guy can be open-minded and curious and strive to understand others, then why can't you and why can't I? If you can be an active listener, just shut up and listen to other people. If you can ask clarifying questions, not in a snide, angry, or bitchy way, but in an honest and open-minded way. If you can work on your emotional intelligence 
and control and self-monitor your emotions. If you can make summarizing statements to make certain you understand other people when in conversation and that they understand you. And finally, if you have human empathy, just a basic human emotion for other people and the belief that you can respect their opinion even when you don't agree with them just the same way you would like them to respect your opinion then you will be on your path to being a better human being doesn't mean you're going to get a hundred million dollar podcast deal with spotify but as a person as a member of society the depth and breadth of your perspective will expand just by listening to him. I think the way Rogan conducts himself is the way we should strive to communicate with others. Minus maybe the pot smoking and drinking on the job part of it, of course. But if Rogan infuriates the mob and cancel culture, then what is he? what he is doing is probably a very good thing. As those who listen to him speak for hours and hours on a topic understand very clearly He's not a racist. He's not a sexist. He's not a misogynist or any other flavor of the day of derogatory term they want to throw at him. The nuance, the in-depth discussions bring out his true character. And the silly, insipid name-calling and cancel culture nonsense seem completely petty in the face of his body of work. And so for the Rogan supporter, who number in the hundreds of millions, simply ignoring the woke cancel culture attacks... It's a beautiful thing to see Rogan succeed and the media mob fail. If you haven't ever listened to Rogan, give it a try. As with all podcasts, they're amazing ones, good ones, average ones, occasional bad one. But if you listen in, you can get a flavor for what a master mediator he actually is. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. I hope you found value. The Joe Rogan Experience Podcast, despite any cancel culture attempts, he is the man in my view. Check him out. Pay attention how he manages conversations. It's truly a picture of a master mediator and probably better than any class you could take on how to effectively conduct conversations and overcome conflict and reach win-win situations. Remember, I generally publish new episodes every Monday and Wednesday. So if you click like or follow, you will be alerted when new episodes come available. Until the next episode, I hope you have a wonderful week.